This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. In this episode, artist Scott Ingram talks with Joe and Matthew on the eve of a curated art event, exclusive to Atlanta, but with meaning for communities everywhere. Be sure to visit brainfuzzpodcast.com for show notes and links on topics from this first part of a two-part conversation. I said, you know, how do we, how do you introduce this guy? And then I thought, you know, he's a man who minces no words and suffers no fools. <laughs> Hard earned. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's refreshing. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. I think that's Come refreshing. On. Come on. I'll take that. It keeps, it keeps a clean bar. I do. I keep, does. I, you got to keep a clean bar. So we're joining you in the context of preparing for this event. Yes. That is pretty, it's pretty exciting. This is monumental. You, and you're amazingly calm. About this? Yeah. I mean, we're talking... Should I not be? No, no I think that's no. amazing. But I often... You see artists before deadlines, and they're burning the midnight oil, and and this well, has been I'll, in the works I'll, for how long? I'll, I'll do about nine months, but I mean, I'll do that. Oh, I know you will, but you... When does that happen? Which part? The, the midnight oil part. Well, I mean, it's been happening, mm-hmm. but um, next week is going to be a bear. I mean, it's going to be rough. I mean, starting Friday when we install, when we start installing. No one is on a... a I did a call for schedules. Like, when are you going to be in to install? We have 16 artists. Good luck on that. That are all on some kind of schedule. The worst would be, I have a teaching schedule, and I have children. And they make it work. And this is, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't have a teaching schedule, but I have a child. So, I mean, I have to make it work. And, and it, it's conditioning. You learn how to figure sure. it out. You know, it's, it's, it's a schedule. It's being I, resilient. I got a kick out of your uh, an Instagram post the other day where you were um, almost apologizing for being a morning person in the studio. <laughs> which I thought, hey, you know what? But, but have you always been a morning person? No. But you would I, know. So. I usually stay up till two or three. Right. But, but to realize that. You know, I was talking with Ridley about this the, the same day. The idea that I can get up and go to the studio and be there at 8 o'clock and work until 10 or 11 without a phone call, right? without checking email, without a text message, and get three solid hours in, mm-hmm. it's almost like... A full day. It, 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 well, it's almost like a full day, but it's like... You're usually so scattered in that time. In a three-hour time frame, it's like you suddenly are like, well, maybe I need to check my email, and maybe I need to figure this thing. You know, like, what am I missing? Yeah. Well, it's like, no, no one's, no one's actually functioning yet. They haven't even had their coffee yet. You're on the William Downs schedule. Kind of. Stay kind up of. late and get up early. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but yeah. I nap. I can't do that. So I you know, nap. I'm, 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 yeah. Have you always napped? No, I haven't always napped, but I do enjoy a good nap. What? what, so what, what is how there long a nap are we talking? Twenty minutes. Is there a studio you, nook? No more than twenty what minutes. Do you, power nap. Hmm? Is there a studio nook for the nap? Uh, no, I've, I I don't do it at the studio because 
Ford goes to school at eight, and the studio is or his school is halfway between the house and the studio. Gotcha. So I literally uh, drop him off, and I'm in the studio by like eight ten every day, and then. I can work until noon or one mm -hmm. o'clock, yeah. and so now it becomes administrative after one. That's good though. Yes. So yeah, it, yeah, because you have to build that in, and mm -hmm. or that's the you easiest to thing this. to be like, ah, I'll do that next week. You know what? If you don't do it and you get home, you today I'm going to do the studio all day. That's it. Doesn't work because when you get home, you have a glass of wine, you have dinner. You read something, you watch a show, you do something, you, you, you interact with your family, and then suddenly it's like, I didn't contact the gallery in mm -hmm. Chicago or San Francisco today. It was just kind of like, I just didn't do that. So some, at some point it becomes a, I don't give a shit, I gotta have a life too, and then some days it's like, Man, yeah, I really kind of dropped the ball on that one. I really got to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty laxed about everything at the end of the day, but things still have to get done. All right, we've done the deep tees now. So, uh, what's the, <laughs> do you what, set the table? I, uh, <laughs> now that we've set the table. I hate that. Okay, one. tell talk about the show. This is a good one. So this show, yeah, no, this show is um, it's something I've wanted to do for for a minute now. And when I got the idea for the show, and I'll explain where I got the idea in a second, it was something that became really imperative to do. Essentially what it is, is I've collected, I had seven, I had 18 artists originally. And um, two of them have other obligations, so they've fallen off. Um, but I collected artists that are in my wheelhouse, uh -huh. mm -hmm. and I feel like they're all artists that if you, it's, it, it's something I think about, like I like to read old art magazines, and when you look at an art magazine from like 1974, you see so many of the same people that were working then that are still having shows today. And I went back and I said, which people in my wheelhouse are working now that I have complete confidence that they will be working 25 years from now. And if we were setting up the situation for a show that was maybe I don't want I don't want to say it's ahead of its time. It's of this time. Plain and simple. But you can make educated guesses about who's going to be there. And so when I see, um, when I look at the list of artists, of course I include myself in the list, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think that, um, you know, I look at people like William Downs and I look at Michi and I look at Krista Clark and I look at Sarah Hobbs and I look at these people that some of them, I've known they've already been working almost as long as I have. Yeah. So I know they're going to continue working. It's a safe bet. And that's what I wanted. I wanted someone that could speak about this particular time in Atlanta because they have an understanding of this time in Atlanta. 
And moving forward, I really wanted to kind of think about that. And it's like, even if they leave Atlanta, are they still going to represent well? And all of them will. I firmly believe that. So it's an interesting premise. Talk a little bit about that. That was the basic gist of it. I wanted to get people that I knew were going to be solid. Yeah. First and foremost. Second was the, th the element that came in... Um, I kind of think the real concept for the show is the destruction of everything. I mean, this is complete annihilation of everything in the show. I've been working with the, the demo crew. They will make sure that everything is destroyed at the end of this ex exhibition. The whole idea came out of watching um, YouTube videos of ISIS destroying museums in Mosul. Oh. on security video footage. And so when you watch these videos, they're, they're heartbreaking. But this is how the human civilization moves forward, apparently. I don't understand it. I don't want to condone it. But at the end of the day, it happened to the Romans. It happened to the Greeks. All of their culture was attacked their architecture, their sculpture, their art, all of it was attacked. The noses were knocked off. The heads were knocked off. It's destroyed. And the same thing in our lifetime happened mm -hmm. in Mosul. Mm -hmm. As a culture, how can we get in front of that? How can, we, how can we own that space around this time when our culture is being destroyed? And I'm not talking about being destroyed architecturally. I'm not talking about in the, in the sense that... Because uh, this, this building is not important. The building they're knocking down is an, an extremely insignificant building in Atlanta. And, and the building is on the west side of Atlanta. The building's on the west side of Atlanta. It's Hathaway Contemporary Space. It's 10,000 square feet. It has been there for... They've been open as a gallery for two years. And they're moving. And they're moving. And yeah, they're moving just around the corner. And the, the reason the building is, is being destroyed is because of development. And the building has been purchased. And, and this is what happens in Atlanta. And this is something that I think all Atlanta artists, the galleries, are all very comfortable with. We're not necessarily comfortable, it becomes uncomfortable at times. But things get moved and things get shifted, you know. And when I came to Atlanta 25 years ago, Virginia Highland mm -hmm. had Chassis Post, Solomon Projects, and Macintosh Gallery in Midtown. And um, the West Side at that time had, eh, it was probably just, maybe it wasn't 25 years ago, but 20 years ago, you know, John Audie had a space over there. Ewan Green had a space over there in the U-Haul building. And there were, there were spaces over there, and people were doing culturally interesting things over there. It's not an important building. So... In many ways, it doesn't really matter, but but I really do believe that um, this is an opportunity to kind of seize this moment, this this small moment in time that's and it's going to slide by. No one's going to know the difference outside of Atlanta. This probably won't get picked up. It probably won't be that big of a deal. But at the end of it all, I really do think that it will become a marker. And the interest in the show, just on the front side of it, as we're kind of leading into it, 
um, has been really big. And well, it's like it's a happening. I mean, the fact that you're starting this yeah. Friday, I mean, that's the work. There's the process, the fact that you're documenting it, it will live on, even though the works are being destroyed. Yeah. Why not? Instead of just saying, oh, here's, you know, here's just the opening, you know, three doors down. Like, yeah. I think to, to take the effort, the tremendous effort, to plan this and the artists that are planning works, like, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mean, it'll be up for a couple of weeks, but I'm really hoping that that other, you know, other people can come through. But like, I mean, I've already talked to some other curators and stuff from out of town that are going to be in coming through and in emailing with them. There, I'm setting up appointments already for people to see it. So, I mean, I do think it will have a little bit of a life outside of Atlanta. But you know, part of it is just that idea that it's like, as artists, we need to be able to own that space. We need to be able to own what happens around that space and the, the, the future of it and it just became an opportunity and thankfully the developer is really interested in this and the demo crew is really interested in this and and I'm not trying to victimize anybody out of it I'm not trying to say that we're being pushed out again that was very evident <clears throat> in, yeah. in the this and is a, the statement as I said to you what you're, I, yeah what you're talking about here it, it's not geographically specific it's not location specific the kinds of tensions that you're talking about happen in every city absolutely and on top of that what you've done here is uh in this in the text of this press release you're not taking a position on it i don't want it to you know this is the thing i've been in atlanta for 25 years i've seen every apartment building that i've ever lived in has been destroyed and there's a new apartment complex there now there was someone in Atlanta, I don't remember who it was, a city official at one point that was just talking about how Atlanta is a very fluid city. Things wash in and they wash back out. And it, it is, it's kind of like a tide. And I've accepted that as a, as a, someone who's been here for 25 years and watched it all come and go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when my studio was at the Contemporary, I had a 12 to 15 minute commute. If I had to do it today, it would take me an hour. And and that's that's just the reality. And the mileage you know. is what. Yeah, what absolutely. Is four out, four I mean, miles my own neighborhood, just being here in the fourth ward. When I moved here fifteen years ago, I didn't have the issues that I have now. I didn't have to deal with four thousand new apartments coming in, which means that there's eight thousand cars. Yeah, I didn't have to deal with that. How many studios have you had in Atlanta? Yeah. I was thinking I've been that. lucky. I've been really lucky. I was at the Mattress Factory, which is now an apartment complex, for um, about three years. And then I was at the Contemporary. For the, well, the first uh, five years I was in Atlanta, five or six years in Atlanta, I didn't have a studio. Um, I just worked out of my house. But and then I went to the Contemporary. I was at the Contemporary for eight years. And now I've been at the New Space for four forgive me because I forgot about Saltworks Saltworks I was in the back of Saltworks for a long time probably the whole time Saltworks was there yeah Brian Brian um, brought me Brian was working at the at the high with me at the time and um, he came to me and he said I found this building and I think we need to do this thing it would be really fun and he brought me in to kind of help kind of bolster the thing a little bit and it was really it was a great space and, and brought a lot of amazing work to Atlanta and then when we lost that building in 08, like early to mid-08, I think, yeah, we, I, I was living here, and we uh, had my studio down there, 
and then uh, we moved over to 11th, and okay. I did not have a studio okay. for a, a short amount of time there. No, that's not true. I was kind of in transition, and I was going to the Contemporary at the time, okay. and they were trying to clear that uh, the Nexus Press space out for me so that I could get in there. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. I was there for eight years. And then I, I've been in my new space for four. And, and there's fear and, that the new space... And feeling a little pressure with all those film crews? <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not. My landlord wants a lot of money for that building. And I don't think he'll settle for much less. So, as long as he's in demanding a lot of money and I don't have to worry about it as much so give us a um, give us kind of a, a blow by blow of what's going to happen with the show yeah alright well Friday we're going to go start installing okay at noon high noon <laughs> it's kind of great PBR has very generously agreed to bring all of the beer for the opening a week ahead oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's going to be great so, for the first couple days and yeah, then, I can then see. Be that, oh. yeah, yeah. I, mean, I am enticing uh, artists to work early on Sunday with a Bloody Mary bar and uh, <laughs> are there going to be like onlookers like in the Civil War can we just kind of yes yeah, so this is what I'm leading up to here this is yeah, what I'm yeah. leading up to here so that's uh, that's the thing is th so the the whole deal is yes the, all of the work is going to get installed permanently yes all of the work is going to get destroyed but ultimately I really believe that this show is about community and how to bring people together and ultimately I want people to come in and hang out and talk to people while they're installing you know and I think that probably for that week almost a week um, there will be some artists there working yeah. any time of day that you want to come by whether it's 9 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock at night I think there's probably going to be somebody there because the ambitious nature of everything you know it would have been really easy to go in and just like say let's put 40 artists in here and we're going to give them all a little, a little nook, a little thing to paint on, a little thing to do. And then I ultimately said, this is not a graffiti show. This is a show of artists that happen to do wall drawings, in addition to all of the other things that they do. And so there is going to be white space, and there is going to be a margin, and there is going to be... Um, a little bit of space for the eye to rest and to think about just that thing that you're standing in front of even if it is 30 feet long you're gonna have that kind of space and that kind of room so um, what about like interventions to the building and you have done that in Ormoid with your beam yep and thinking of uh, Gordon Mata Clark or will there be that kind of um, like architectural structural uh, intervention not to dismiss, you know, well, mere okay. wall drawings. Yes, no, yes and no. I think um, we'll be realistic about it. There's this, there's this thing that everybody knows that there's a lifespan to this. So I don't think we're going to have... The, I don't right, think okay. that someone's going to show up and With pull guards out of Clark. Huh? Okay. Well, that said, though, I'm, I'm, I have been talking to Krista Clark. Because one of the things that I try to push people to do is to do things they haven't done before. This is an opportunity where you don't have to fix it afterwards. 
And so many times when artists are doing installations, they're like, oh God, someone's got to fix that. It's going to cost money to repair that. It's going to blah, blah, blah. That's not a case here. So um, I've been talking with, oh, Krista Clark is very interested in, in just that kind of thing. I don't know how that's going to manifest itself. And I very specifically said, I'm not telling you what to do. Craig Drennan is bringing me an asshole painting. And I'm like, of course he is. Yeah. And, and, and I said, you can, you can totally put that in. If that's what you want to put in, I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm not editing anybody. I want people to do what it is that they want to do. Now, whether or not he shows up with that day of, I don't know. And how big an asshole painting are we talking about? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But it doesn't... Does it really matter? <laughs> no, it really doesn't. So how, so how many Brain Fuzz alums do we have on this list? It's actually pretty... Oh, yeah. It's pretty... Pretty... Paul Stephen Benjamin. Krista Clark. William well, Downs. Craig Drennan. Uh, Scott Ingram. Michi. I'm not an alum. You are now you an are alum. Now. Oh, I am point. now. Oh, There's, yeah. There are a lot of people on this yeah. list that Tori Tinsley, and, and many that we want to talk with. So what I like about us having this conversation also is that we're playing with the time because we're having, we don't, you don't know what's going to happen. You really don't. I mean, you, you have an idea, you have a plan, mm-hmm. but <laughs> there's really no plan. <laughs> All right. No, I saw there's a concept. There's a concept. Yeah. But we don't know what's, we don't know what the outcome will be. I mean, we Absolutely. know that there will be destruction. Absolutely. Absolutely. All of that's true. But I think that um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is that this is a collaboration. I really see this entire process as a collaboration. You mentioned the, the beam in Ormwood before that house came down. And this is something I'm really, I'm interested in doing these things. You know, I'm interested in having these conversations with my community. And this one just happens to be directly with my art community. I mean, a lot of these people are people that I hang out with, I go have drinks with. They're the people I want to see at openings. They're the people that I want to see out when I go to dinner, you know, and and it happens. And and personally, I really think that um, I really wanted this to be about a community. And I wanted it to be about how do we make it bigger. And so many of us don't work with the same galleries. Yeah. And we, you know, it's like we were talking about it earlier. It's like there's an opening here that night. There's an opening here that night. There's an opening. Yeah. And it's because of a lack of communication. Mm-hmm. But all of these people, even though they have other things going on that night, are going to find a way to get there at about 8.30. And they're all going to be there. And that ultimately, to me, is what it's about. Yeah. And if it forces the galleries to start having conversations... That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And, and if it started... Uh, and I'm not saying it's going to. And I don't expect it to. I don't, I'm not expecting anything out of it. But I really do think that um, artists are starting to expect things. And artists are wanting their galleries to have communication with other galleries. And they're wanting to have some camaraderie. And they're wanting to have a community... And, you know, it's funny, I, several of us meet for drinks on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights. 
you know, it's one of those things that it, it's like we can sit there and draw on bar napkins and we can have conversations and we can watch a stupid uh, sci-fi movie or something on the TV and have a conversation about that and have drinks and have a really good time. But at the end of the day, we're there because we want to do it. And I really think that the gallery system in Atlanta needs to get to that point where it's like, we want to do this. We want to have a giant community. We want to make the pond bigger. And that's what I wanted to do with this show, is to make the pond bigger. And I'm not talking about one pond. I'm talking about the whole thing. I want to make the whole thing bigger. I want to have communication. Krista Clark, I didn't have a lot of communication with her before. I've been watching her work for a long time. Yeah. I love her work. A beautiful kinship with what I'm doing. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I trust you. I, I don't know you well, but I know your work. And I can trust that work. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's not just like this clicky kind of you know thing where it's like, oh, it's... Which I think so often the art world winds up becoming. I think it's great to cross, you know, multiple galleries or they're not in a gallery. Like, who cares? Yeah. It's about the work, a shared ethos. The kind of thing that you're talking about, you know, applies, again, in other cities. <laughs> what you were just talking about before we hit record, I think about the tensions and the, the, the struggles that you have in other cities. You, you travel elsewhere and you hear the same things. Absolutely. And you know, I, I, you know, since since the list came out, since the 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 uh, um, PR started going out for this show, I can't tell you how many artists have contacted me and said, "Well, you know, I want to be in your next show." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, wow. I, I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. But here's the thing: <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of pushback on this to some degree." Because every, not everybody, but a good chunk of the people in this show are Hudgens finalists. They're Artadia finalists. They're Mocha GA finalists. They're, they're people these that were seen. No, no, no. I'm gonna, I, th that's true, but these are also people that I've known you for a while. These are also people that I, I see you out with these people. Absolutely. So, like... Absolutely. It's because people have been but working hard. I, absolutely. And if there's one thing that I can do in what you just said, is that you have to work hard. You know, I remember a conversation I had with Radcliffe Bailey 20 years ago when I first moved to Atlanta, just after I moved to Atlanta. And I was like, Radcliffe, I can't, I can't find a show. I can't get a show in Atlanta. What do I do? And I just happened to be working for an art handling company that was doing work for him. And I asked him, these, we became friends, and I asked him these questions. And he said, you got to work for three years. And then maybe you'll get a group show. And I was like, okay. And so I worked. I worked hard. I worked hard for three years. And I got a show. Almost three years to the day. <laughs> and I was like, well, shit, that was kind of, okay. And then the show happened. And it was a good show. Or I felt like it was a good show. The gallery loved it. It was received well. The reviews were good. The whole thing. Two or three months later, I'm like, Radcliffe, what about the sales? And he's like, you got to yeah. wait another three years for those. And I was like, what? And he was right. He was yeah. right. People had to get, and this was Atlanta at a time when I was a newcomer. 
Now there are newcomers coming from every direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are newcomers that you don't know their experience level. You, they may be amazing artists. You know, it's like Ridley comes back to town and people think Ridley's a new artist. Yeah. He's had, he's had a presence here for a very long time. Radcliffe was right. You know, he's like, you basically, he was telling me, you've got to do the work. And for these artists that are are contacting me and say, well, you know, I'd, I'd really like to be in your next show. It's like, it's not that I'm not watching you. It's not that I'm saying you can't be in a show. I'm saying there's a lot of work to be done. And there are a lot of people that have done a lot more work to get in this show. And ultimately, for me... These are all... I mean, I was just in St. Louis with William for the show at, at CAM. Yeah. And we hung out. We had a great time. And we met St. Louis. In 48 hours, we met St. Louis. And they St. Louis came out, and it was amazing. It was a really great time. But William knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was an absolutely stunning installation. And, you know, it's with... There's a Basquiat show going on in the same building, and I can't remember what else. Oh, uh, Sanford Bigger show was also happening in the same building. So he was an amazing company. Yeah. But he wow. worked to get in that company. Oh yeah. And he and ultimately, um, he would have been in the show without that show. <laughs> I'll be honest with you about that. But but I've been watching him. I've known him for 20 years. So the conversations that we have, a lot of these guys, many of whom are in the show. Um, Talk about putting the time in, and by putting the time in, it doesn't always mean your hand on the canvas or your your hand at the canvas. It doesn't mean that. It it, it sometimes it just hey, means that Matthew, come on. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me cheat at the paper. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but just that time in the studio to contemplate and to think and to be open to what happens when you're in the studio. A- absolutely, that and or back to your point about like you know many successful folks that I think have like an admin day or a part, you know, whether it's your, the old Milton Resnick story of like, I would look out the loft and see de Kooning just standing in the same place for hours, you know, staring at the canvas and whether that's apocryphal or not, or you're calling like, again, it's probably even more important, like stop staring at the damn canvas and call the gallery yeah, um, (laughs) and send out, which, you know, um, well, I mean, I think there's a lot to that, but, I'm notoriously someone who, I have a studio downtown and I have a studio here at the house. I don't always work at the house. It's a small space. I have a tendency to get a lot done when I do work here. But um, I find that sometimes I just have to be in my space with my work. And sometimes I come up with an idea just like for this show. I came up with the idea for the show a long time ago. I could almost put a date on it for you. And it has not been in 2018. When I was like, I want to do something with that. How do I make that work? Same thing with the beam through the house in Ormwood. It was two years from the time that David Yoakum called me. And I made models, and I made drawings, I made collages. I made all kinds of work based around that. I had actually presented it as a project at Georgia Tech, and it was not even on the calendar yet. And it wasn't until two years later that that thing actually happened. 
And so for me, there's so many of these ideas that they're like, they're kicking around back. It's like the sheetrock paintings. Mm -hmm. Sheetrock paintings, I wanted to make paintings again before, like probably two years before I ever made those paintings. And it was the idea of like, how does that work in? You know, it's almost like it skates by and you got to find a way to grab it. I'll use the term that, that Lloyd always tells me about his train hopping days. When you can count the lug nuts on the train, it's safe to jump on. And I've always thought about that. If it's going too fast, you're going to miss it. You're going to get hurt. It's going to suck. And I've always thought, like, all of these ideas that keep buzzing by me, uh -huh. I can grab them when I want to. I can hold on to them. I can write them down. I can make studies for them. But it may not be until later that it actually happens. That's, I think that's the wisdom, though, of, again, being a working artist. You're in a studio however many days a week and trusting that it's there. It might not, it's not going to look exactly like you think it's going to look. And no. trusting that at least the genesis of the... Well, yeah, but, but I also think, though, that not, not so all of those yoga. No, I just, <laughs> I just heard uh, genesis. Oh, you heard oh, Phil no, Collins? No, that's not a good idea. No, no, no. Well, uh, no it was Phil Collins. Hey, you're going to have to pay money for that. Oh, <laughs> if I hear it in my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's royalties on that. It's just in the air tonight. I mean, <laughs> stop, stop. Oh God. But but no, I think I think though that, that that's one of the things. And you, there's also the idea that you can have the idea, and maybe the idea doesn't last. Maybe it doesn't hold up. Maybe it doesn't stand the test of time. You know, maybe you have to kind of just yeah. let that one go. Yeah. And how many times have you, you know? I always want to think about keeping like, you know, the notepad by the bed or whatever, but you know, whether it's a dream or you're just in a different state, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, whether you write that idea, but we've, you know, I've had dreams of paintings before, Absolutely. drawings, and then Absolutely. of course you wake up and you're like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. And I then, solve so many problems in my sleep Yeah, when I'm working. It's amazing. No, David Lynch, you know, I just finished that, uh, auto, it's like an autobiography biography. He swears by this if you have an idea you write it down just the minute that idea happens write it down and he's just passionate about that but what you're talking about the vetting of those ideas only comes with wisdom and time absolutely and trust though that again it's not you know I think that letting go of just knowing that something uh, allowing it to change and morph it might be better it might not I mean, it kind of speaks to this entire press release to me. I was thinking about, you know, obviously change, this constant migration. And I think for once, and we get on this all the time, and I apologize to listeners, but, you know, when we get into kind of the old gentrification saw kind of bit, you know, in terms of, and I'm thinking you can either be negative about it or take kind of the positive, in this case, a positive spin in terms of, you know, it's inevitable. Well, I, you know, I mean, ultimately, that's just another form of migration. It's a smaller scale form of migration, right? Like, you move from one side of town to the other side of town. You push another person out. But, I mean, look at it. You know, you you look at things like Detroit. Or you look at things like Baltimore. Yep. Or mm -hmm. Philly. And you see what's happened in New York. And you see that all of those artists, all of New York has let voluntarily 
let so much of their creative class go to other places. Yes. It was a gift to other communities. And when you go to Detroit, you can taste it. You can see it. All right, so in the press release for this event... What are you calling it? An event? An exhibition? What are you calling it? It's not an exhibition. I'm calling it an exhibition. The fact that... it, it, see, I really, I mean, people can call it whatever they I want. I was feeling I'm like this was one exhibition. night, and you're, it's not just one, just one night. This is... How long will this be up? We don't know. Don't miss part two of this conversation. Subscribe to Brain Fuzz. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag BrainFuzzPodcast. For show notes on this episode and more information on the topics discussed, visit BrainFuzzPodcast.com. Change is inevitable, and you make the most of it. This is sound like a bad motivational speech here. Well, uh, you know, start, yeah, it, start it could be, it could be if we lived in a van down by the river. But no, but, 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 but I mean, like, but I, so often.